Okay, we've been in Hebrews chapter 11. It's Heroes of Faith. By the way, if you'd like a Bible, just slip up your hand uh, because we, we are going to need them. Slip up your hand. Our ushers will be glad to hand one out. We have them at the door every week if you need to grab one. Uh, we will need them. Hebrews chapter 11. Need some up here in the front because these guys don't carry Bibles. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter because it's an opportunity for you, if you don't know much about the Old Testament, to learn about some of the stories and uh, to learn about some of the high marks of why God commended them for faith. In 1945, Allied troops swept across Germany at the end of World War II. One of their chief tasks was to go from house to house or building to building looking for enemy soldiers, some who were snipers, some who had been separated from the rest of their armies. And uh, it, was a, it was a dangerous task. Some, some soldiers gave up, willing to be prisoners. Some would fight till death. At one abandoned house, which had already been reduced to rubble, Allied soldiers found their way with flashlights in the dark to a basement. And there scratched out on a wall were these words. At the end of this message was the Star of David, indicating this was written by a Jewish person in Europe. And here's what the message said. I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in love even when it is not shown. I believe in God even when he does not shine. Speak. Written by a Jewish victim of the Holocaust, one who had hidden out for a time, probably as long as possible until they were taken. That's an expression of faith. I believe in God even when He does not speak. That's a die hard kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that God developed in Abraham. Abraham had a die-hard kind of faith, but he didn't get there easily. Abraham's faith in God grew over time. He was an ordinary man with an extraordinary God. By the way, that's kind of a theme that flows through Hebrews chapter 11. He was ordinary. He sometimes made silly mistakes. He sometimes made stupid mistakes. I know what that's like. We know from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, that God called Abraham to leave Mesopotamia. That's that fertile crescent where everybody says civilization began. That's where Abraham was in the city of Ur. And God said, Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. So he headed out. It was a long journey, over a thousand miles, and it really took years for Abraham to get where God would show him. They went up northwest to Haran, not the promised land, and they hung out there for many years, and Abraham's father died there, according to Genesis chapter 11. Um, All this time, Abraham was learning to follow God over years. Now, we don't see all the details. It's just That's just Abraham's life. God spoke again to Abraham, and he made promises to him about his future children. Remember, Abraham was old. He was beyond childbearing. He and his wife, Sarah. And he said, Abraham, 
I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you descendants. You're going to have a son, Abraham. And, and God said, I'm going to give you land, land that he intended to give Abraham, and that land would go to the descendants of Abraham, that he, God would make Abraham's name great, and that Abraham and his descendants would be a blessing to the entire world. Abraham was 75 when he was told that he would become a father. This didn't happen very fast, if you know the story. Abraham and Sarah, in fact, became impatient with God. They became quite impatient. Abraham was married to a very creative woman, and she decided she would help God. God had this plan. They were going to have children, and Sarah thought she would help God. And she decided... She, to hurry this thing along because it was taking so long, maybe she should offer her handmaiden named Hagar, maybe she should offer her to Abraham, have Abraham sleep with her so that Hagar would become pregnant and then there would be a child and this thing could get rolling. And so Abraham, one of his silly mistakes, slept with his Wife's handmaiden, Hagar, she became pregnant, pregnant, and out came Ishmael. Not God's plan. Not the child of the promise. Another time, um, Abraham was actually leaving the country. He wasn't necessarily told to leave the country. And he headed south, and he went to Gerar, and... Um, he realized that he was married to a very beautiful woman. Some of you know this story. And out of fear for his own life, he thought, if other men see how beautiful my wife is, they're liable to kill me so they can have her. So Abraham decides to say, she is my sister. Uh, another one of those silly mistakes. He lied to protect himself and uh, guess what happened to Sarah? Sarah got taken in to the king of Gerar's harem. And that's kind of risky, by the way, to have your wife in somebody else's harem. When the king of Gerar found out, he was highly disappointed, but he gave Sarah back. And uh, what am I saying? I'm saying Abraham is an ordinary guy. He made some silly mistakes. He's commended for his faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But we get this idea sometimes the people in the Bible are like perfect. It's not so. They're just ordinary people who make silly mistakes and they have to learn to walk with God. And God is honored when people follow him. And by the way, this is one of the great motivations for you to read the Bible for yourself. So you'll know who this Abraham guy is. So you understand how the mistakes that people make. And yet God still uses, you learn so much about God and how he works when you see how he uses people. Okay, so today what are we going to learn about faith from Abraham? What can we learn? Well, first of all, follow along on your outline. Expect God to test your faith. Expect God to test your faith. And we see in verse uh, 17, this is on page 835, Hebrews chapter 11, um, in, your, in the Bibles that the bridge provides here, the test of faith. Verse 17, the first part of it. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. That's kind of a harsh beginning. 
Abraham, it was by faith when God tested him. So here's the deal. God tested Abraham. I think you might also expect God might test you and test your faith. But this is a pretty far out story. It was a difficult test. It, one of, it was one of the most difficult tests that God has ever given to man. Uh, God asked Abraham to give back his son as a sacrifice. Human sacrifices were practiced by pagan religions, not by Jewish people, Hebrew people of the true and living God, not by instructions. This is a very rare happening that these words were ever given. And um, the story is found in Genesis chapter 22, and, and we're going we're gonna to tr- follow that through on, on PowerPoint, the story of faith. This is Abraham's story, Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Keep in mind, this is over a period of a long time. Uh, this is maybe 40 years into Abraham's, or longer, walk with God. So this isn't like, okay, we've got a super, super Christian, super godly man here. It took time for Abraham to get there. By the way, this test, if it had come earlier, Abraham probably would have failed miserably. I think God knew that, by the way. So here it is. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the region of Moriah. This will be the place where the Ten Commandments are given hundreds of years later. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Uh, That's pretty clear what God is asking. God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. There's nothing pleasant about that humanly. Nothing, okay? It was a practice of pagan religions. And um, Isaac is probably a teenager by now. Maybe he's 14 or 15 years old. This is the promised son, Isaac. This is uh, Ishmael's been born. He's older. This is the one they waited for. This is the child that took a miracle for Sarah to have in her old age. You know, God didn't want it to look like this was a human product or as far as a the result of human effort. This was a God thing, a miraculous child, Isaac. Now, this is a predicament for Abraham because Abraham has been told there's a promised son. And now God's saying, Abraham, I want you to to do this. I want you to, the son whom you love, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Okay. And then we see the response of faith, uh, which is really pretty amazing. 22, Genesis 22, verses 3 through 5. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. By the way, what would you have done? You've just been told by God to sacrifice your son. Now, Abraham knew God. Abraham had been walking with God for a long time. I have no clue what I would have done. I think I would have complained I think I would have come up with all kinds of reasons not to follow through on this. But Abraham, 
The next morning, got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood, and he's going he's gonna to follow through. What do I need to do? He cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place uh, God told him about. Next slide. On the third day, this is a 50-mile trek. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, because that's what an offering is all about. That's, that's what a sacrifice is all about. It's about worship. It's about giving honor to God. We will worship, and notice this, we, then we, will come back to you. That's not clear language there. Well, it's clear on what he wants the servants to believe, but Abraham knows he's supposed to offer his son, okay? Which, um, that's Abraham's response. And verses 22, uh, verses 6 through 8. Genesis 22, 6 through 8. Next slide. Do we have a next slide? Which says, Abraham took the wood and the burnt, for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Down to the details. There we go. Uh, He placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up. This is a child, a teenager. Father, next slide. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb and the burnt offering? That is a good question. That's a kid's question, isn't it? This all doesn't make sense here. I'm with you, Dad. I know what we're doing here. I don't have all the information I need. I'm trusting you, Dad. And I have, a, I have, a, I have an answer. I have a question here. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God himself will provide the lamb. I don't know what was going through Abraham's mind. I don't think Abraham had all the answers. I don't think Abraham knew what the outcome was going to be. Here's what I think. Abraham knew God, and he trusted him, and he didn't know how the details would work. He didn't know what, how the problems would get solved. But he continues to move forward. Um, God himself will provide the lamb. By the way, can you think of another time in history when God himself would provide the lamb for sacrifice? John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus, his cousin, walking to him, and he says, Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is kind of a foreshadowing of that. A little hint, that's all it is. It's a hint of what's to come. God himself will provide the sacrifice, and he did with Jesus. He totally provided the sacrifice for sin of the entire world. But we're not there yet. This is, this is uh, 2,100 years earlier. Um, 
Genesis 22, verses 9 and 10, the story continues. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He's still going through with the details. By the way, is there anything about Abraham's response that is passive? Passive indecision on his part? No, he moves ahead step by step with every detail. Moving by faith. Taking God at his word. Um, he bound his son. Now this has got to be hard. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Who could do that? I want you to see one other thing here. As far as we can tell, Isaac is compliant. Isaac is submissive. Father and son are in this together. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Next, God's provision for faith. Okay. So uh, God is going to provide... You know the rest of the story. And God's provision for faith is found in Genesis 22, verses 11 through 14. But the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham, called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Let's stay back there just for a second. Thank you. Um. God never intended to harm Isaac. God never intended for hurt to come to Isaac. It was his plan from the beginning. Um, This is a very unique test in the Bible. Yet nothing like this ever happens again. God is not and never has been into human sacrifice where someone is offered to God um, like the pagan sacrifices. Um, And so, messenger, the angel speaks, um, and he says, I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. This is a very uh, important term, your only son. In the King James Version, it is the your only begotten son. Does that sound familiar for some of you who know King James? John 3.16, the only begotten son, a reference to Jesus being a unique son of God in a very unique way. Isaac is a unique son to Abraham in a very important way. Um, It's not Abraham's only son. He had another son, Ishmael, but this He wasn't the promised one. This is the son that's unique because the promises of God will be passed to Isaac and his son. Abraham is going to have more sons later because poor Sarah is going to die and Abraham is going to live on. He's going to marry again and have more kids. But this is a unique son. Next slide. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, in place of his son. 
So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so God provided the sacrifice. God provided the lamb that would become the sacrifice. And um, Abraham's faith was uh, tested. And Abraham passed with flying colors. Abraham learned more about God. Abraham learned that God was totally trustworthy. This only makes sense for what Abraham knew about God. Abraham understood that God is holy, that God is just, that God is full of mercy and compassion. Abraham understood that God is patient, because Abraham tried to hurry things up sometimes, and that God is kind. Abraham understood that God keeps his promises and God is faithful. Abraham understood that God is trustworthy. And so he saddled his donkey and took out for a three-day trek. I don't know if I could have done that. But Abraham is commended for his faith because it's by faith that he uh, did this. Our test of faith, we have a test of faith. We get tested. How do you get tested? How does your faith get tested? I recall a time when my faith was tested, uh, a little bit like Abraham, because I had to offer my son back to God. Not nearly as dramatic as Abraham's, but it was really dramatic to Sue and me when we had to live through it. Our son was our third child, and he was born one day after uh, I graduated, two days after I graduated from uh, seminary. We already had a 13-year-old daughter, and we had a 22-month-old daughter who was sitting here today. And um, we had just sold our house, just graduated. Things were really crazy. We had a closing date coming very fast. And I had to move. Our, we already knew where we were going. We had, I had to move uh, our furniture to Iowa. And when our son was 10 days old, he came down with spinal meningitis. It happened really quick. Uh, he was rushed to, to a hospital. He received some of the finest care uh, in, our, in our country. And uh, he continued to get worse. And, you know, when you take somebody to the hospital, you're just used to, well, they, they treat them, they take care of them, and, you know, it turns around, and you, then you go home. And um, they treated him, and he had an IV, and um, they were treating him for bacterial meningitis, and they were trying to figure out, there wasn't a lot they could do for a viral meningitis, and uh, he just got worse. And each day, he got worse. And then one day, the doctor came in and said, I don't think he's going to make it. And that was like being slammed into a wall for a mom and dad. And, um, you know, reality began to set in. Why would God give us a son like this? We're just heading out into a ministry. We have this brand new baby. It's been kind of the finish of our, you know, seminary goals. And... Um, Sue and I took a walk on the hospital grounds that afternoon. 
And uh, we just stopped and had a talk with God, and we prayed, and, and we just said, God, you've given us um, our son, Josh, and we, we're so thankful that you have. And, you know, we don't understand um, God, but he's your child, and if you want to take him back, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but you may take him back. We want him. We want him to be healed. We want him to be cured. And um, God, we just put him entirely into your hands. Uh, I, I, I had to leave town and uh, sort of turn this thing over, and I, I moved our family. And after a couple of days, our son began to get better very slowly. Two weeks in the hospital, then two weeks in quarantine in Dallas, and then we took him home to Iowa. We're really, really grateful. It was a small little test of our faith about having to consider giving a child back to God. There's a lot of ways that God tests our faith. Um, Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Jesus replied when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Most important in all the Bible. Everything else kind of pales to this command. God first. Everything else falls below that. That's what God was doing in the life of Abraham was testing him about this command. God first, Isaac second. Or is it Isaac first and God second? And here's what I know. I know that God asked me to love him before my wife. God asked me to love him before my kids. God asked me to love him before my grandkids or before my career or before my stuff. And here's what people, you know, people hear that and they say, how can that be? I mean, I can't do that. Here's what I can tell you. I know I'm a better husband if I put God first and I love him first. I know I'm a better dad when I put God first. And you can ask my family. They'll probably be the first to tell you. I'm a, I'm a better employee. I'm a better friend if I put God first. It's not because I don't love my wife. It's because God is in our lives that I think we have such a great marriage. Um, God wants to be first. It's more important than your career, more important than sports, more important than music, um, more important than any person. And this is where the, where the Christian world, I think, struggles if you, if you study history, sort of big pendulum, I'd say over the last 30 or 40 years, one of the things that's come to the forefront of Christianity in America is the family. That's a good thing because in the years before, the family got put on the back burner. But sometimes I hear so much focus on Christian family that family becomes the idol. Family is more important than God. And uh, let me just say it's not more important than God. Yes, your, God wants you to love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Now, how can you do that? Well, you can't do it if you're not empowered by God. You can't be the dad you need to be if you're not empowered by God. Um, 
But sometimes people just put, their family's got to be so important because they don't want to make that mistake, but they, then God gets put on the back burner and his kingdom gets put on the back burner. It's sort of like second, I'll do that if or when. Okay. Um, secondly, second point, we're going to, this won't take long. Expect God to grow your faith. Expect God to grow your faith. This is just Christianity 101. The tension of faith comes in verses 17 and 18. Now the writer of Hebrews gives us a little more insight into what was going on in Abraham's mind. Look at verse 17. He, Abraham, who had received the promises. Now, Abraham received the promises as a message. He didn't have the promises fulfilled, but He received the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. There it is, that very unique term, this unique son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This is a tension here. God, how are you going to do this? You want me to offer my son, the one that you promised. You've got these promises here, the Abrahamic covenant. You're going to make my family into a great nation. God, I don't see how you're going to do that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me how offering my son is going to accomplish your plan. Um, That's a pretty significant predicament, and it creates a real tension of faith. And we have our struggle with faith. God wants to be first in our lives, so we kind of just talked about that. He wants to be number one. And just think about this. How important is your husband or your wife compared to where you put God? Is God first or is your mate? And moms, this is really hard. And dads. Are your kids more important than God in your life? Are your parents more important than God? For you? Is your career more important? Your, your, your future, your retirement, or your. What would you give up for God if He asked you? Um, where does God fit in your life? Is God just an add on where, you know, I'm a Christian and I have a little God stuff in my life, or my life's all about what God wants to do? My life is yielded, submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, is God like an add-on that you've downloaded for convenience? Or would you follow him anywhere, anytime, whatever he wants? Let me give you some reminders. Um, expect God to grow your faith. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1. We have that one. Here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Now, we did the book of James last fall. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You may not like perseverance. I can guarantee you, you're going to have hard times and difficulties and struggles whether you follow Christ or not. You know, it's not like because you follow Christ you get more. You're going to get a ton. Now, try doing the, the, the struggles and the hardships without Christ. You know, To me, this is not a complicated decision to walk with Christ through the trials or just face them on your own. 
The testing of your faith develops perseverance, the ability to stay in there, stick to itiveness. It builds strength, endurance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. God wants to grow you up to become mature, complete, not having things lacking in your spiritual life or your spiritual growth. And God is going to test your faith to help that happen. The next passage is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. We spent the whole summer, last summer, in 1 Peter verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, referring to your salvation, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. The early church was undergoing persecution at this point. These have come so that your faith, and notice this, your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, your faith which is of greater worth than any material thing, any valuable thing on this earth, your faith in God's eyes is way more important. You know, when you place value on life, how valuable is your faith? Think about where God places it. Maybe proved genuine. You face these trials so that your your faith may be proved genuine and you may and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's about worship. That's about praise. It's about bringing glory to God. It's about magnifying. It's about making God's name great because of you. Not making you great because of him, but making him great because of you. And then Romans 8, 28. And we know that all, in all things, God works for good for those who love him. I don't know how much Abraham knew. Abraham had walked with God. He'd had his struggles. He had ups and downs. He was learning to follow God. He was learning to take God at his word, living by faith. I believe he understood this. I believe he walked to the mountain with this in his heart. All things God works for the good. God is a good God. Now, this may be painful, but I trust God. Number three, expect God to bring hope in impossible circumstances. Verse 19. And we get a little picture into the reasoning for faith. Uh, a little picture into Abraham here. Verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead... And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. I don't know how much Abraham understood. I don't know what Abraham understood about resurrection. But here's what Abraham did know. He knew that God was able to take him who reproductively was as good as dead and to bring life out of those impossible circumstances Abraham reasoned. He thought about this. It's okay to think. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead. He reasoned that God would solve the problem. Figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And in a sense here, here's a small hint, a small glimpse, a foreshadowing of the resurrection of the dead. Because they went up to the mountain Abraham followed through and offered Isaac, but he didn't have to take his life. But he 
he offered Isaac and God gave him back. Now, the key to faith, and this is, I think, the worst surprise of the course today, the key to the faith, next, Abraham saw his problem as God's problem. Now, to me, this is worth, you know, this is what's worth the message right here. Abraham had this great predicament, this great tension of faith. He had to give up something that he loved the most. How was this going to fit into God's plan? And then he realized, this is not my problem, this is God's problem. God is the one who's going to have to solve it. He's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to do what needs to be done because I can't. All I can do is live by faith and follow God. Um, If you walk by faith, if you follow Christ, if you just try to step with Christ one day at a time, your problems are God's problems. Now, sometimes Christians create their own problems, just like Sarah kind of created her own problem when she gave her um, handmaiden to Abraham, and then there's another family member named Ishmael. Well, that created a whole set of problems. But Abraham, uh, Sarah really wasn't paying attention to God right that moment. She was trying to figure things out for herself. But if you, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm saying if you follow Christ, your problems are God's problems and he's made promises to you about answering. And uh, one of my favorite passages is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the Apostle Paul tells us, the church, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, so here's a command, don't be anxious. So when anxiety comes... When stress comes, when worry comes, and by the way, don't beat yourself up because you experience anxiety or stress as if good Christians never experience worry or or, or anxiety. No, these are like a, a warning light on your dashboard to do something. Shift gears now and pray. Take this problem to God. It's God's problem. You need help. That's what worry is supposed to do or anxiety is supposed to trigger. Oh, I should pray now okay, I'll pray. Here's what God says. If you present your request to God, you can have this experience. This isn't pie in the sky. This is a real life experience. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it doesn't make sense rationally. An experience, the peace of God, will guard your hearts and your minds. So it is possible to have peace in the middle of the storms of life. doesn't mean you know all the answers or it doesn't mean you're excited about everything that's happening, but you can have a peace as God takes you through a storm. Uh, Finally, the hope of faith. Abraham received promises from God and he received instructions from God to sacrifice his son. Abraham took the action, remember? It wasn't passive indecision. So many times we do nothing when we're supposed to be moving ahead, when we already know what God has said. Um, Abraham took the 50-mile course down the road, and you know why he did it? This is what I think drove Abraham. Abraham had hope. 
It's because he knew God. He had hope. Yes, this is a problem. I've been asked to sacrifice my son. I don't understand, but I trust God. He had hope. And uh, he just figured that God must have the answer. And great question for us is, do we know God like that? Where we have hope that God has our answer. Classic passage, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. This is the last passage. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Uh, quick clarification here. We have peace. This is about our position in Christ. This is about our standing in Christ. It's not about our performance. It's not about what you've done. It's part of the gift of your salvation. That's why it's so important that you understand what Scripture says about you. This is the standing you have. Some Christians, because they don't know, they, get, they don't know if they're forgiven. They don't know if they're going to go to heaven. They don't know uh, where, if God is with them or what plans God has for them. There's so much about who you are in Christ. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Next passage. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And Abraham has showed us that walking with God gives us hope. You can't live without hope. Um, Abraham was an ordinary man who lived by faith. And you and I are just ordinary people, but we have an extraordinary God. And he wants us to live by faith. He wants us to trust him every day with the little things and the big things. So where is God in your life? Is he number one? Is he the Lord of your life? Has he slipped away from that position? Let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for the story of Abraham and thank you for his faith. And God, we just acknowledge that we're ordinary people and we acknowledge that you are an extraordinary God. We want to grow in our faith. We want to trust you. We want to walk with you. Thank you for the encouragement from the story of Abraham. Lord, examine our hearts. What is it that we have put in front of you, ahead of you, in your place, in a number one position. Maybe we did it intentionally. Maybe we haven't even thought how it's happened, but something else has moved into first place. God, may we be people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust you with the other details of our life. And God, we want Jesus to be first. We want him to be Lord. We want him to be master. 
and we want to submit to his leadership for whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Amen.